Hello and welcome to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast, where each week, Pastor Jeff Cranston explores biblical theology that provides practical life applications in an understandable way. Thanks for joining us at the table. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to Kitchen Table Theology. I'm your host, Tiffany Coker. Along with my dad, Pastor Jeff Cranston, we're seeking not only to help you know deep, solid biblical theology, but to know the Word of God and the promises of God that are given to us in His Word, all while holding to solid theological truths in your heart, soul, and mind. We are currently working our way through the Bible Overview series And Kitchen Table Theologians, we are almost halfway through. I think we counted earlier, and I think we're at, we have done an overview of 30 books of the Bible. So we began all the way back in episode 143. So if you've missed any, we encourage you to go back and give those a listen. But today, we decided it is time for a quiz. I know these are a favorite. People always are telling us about how well they did on the quiz, so Dad, I'm sure you're going to test my knowledge today, and I'm going to go ahead and say I'm going on very little sleep and no coffee, (laughs) so no judgment, please. (laughs) Yeah, and hello again, Kitchen Table Theologian, and Tiffany has no notes in front of her whatsoever. I'm holding all of the information for our little quiz in my hot little hands, and she's feeling rather exposed, I think, today. Not that she doesn't have cheat sheets other times, but yeah. When she's guessing in previous quiz- quizzes and Jen too, when she was with us, that's all the real deal. So we're going to go back and we're going to cover every book, one question per book. Oh, no. <laughs> since the last time we did a quiz. And so we've done 15 Bible books since the last time we did the quiz. So there's 15 okay. questions. Are Some they going to be yes, multiple choice? <laughs> they're going to be multiple choice, but I'm only going to give you three options. Okay. Because four options is a little hard for us to remember when you can't see it. (laughs) So let's just dive in, and we're going to begin in the book of 2 Corinthians. So we'll go in the exact order of the podcast. We'll go New Testament, Old Testament, New Testament, Old Testament. Okay. I think you'll do well. But Kitchen Table Theologian, get ready. Get your thinking cap on, and here we go. So now we're in—this is 2 Corinthians. Okay. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, The Apostle Paul suggests that someone had been agitating against him. What does he say has happened to that person? Paul suggests someone had been agitating against him. What does he say has happened to that person? A, this person now controlled the Corinthian church. B, he had been punished by the Corinthian church. Or C, he had been excommunicated. By the Corinthian church. A, he now controlled the church. B, he had been punished by the Corinthian church. Or C, he had been excommunicated by them. Let's go A. A, he now controlled the church. Oh, no, sorry. That was not what I meant. The middle one then. Sorry. He had been disciplined. Did you say that? Punished no. by the Corinthian punished. church. Okay, that one. You're, you're going to go with you're going to go with B. <laughs> Am I starting off failing correct. already? Okay. You got it right. We you read didn't this. give me four options. If anyone has caused grief, he has not so much grieved me as he has grieved all of you. To some extent, not to put it too severely, the punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient for him. So Paul yes. goes on to say he has forgiven this offending individual, and the church has to forgive this person as well. And in Paul's view, the a lack of forgiveness in such a situations is a very easy way for Satan to exercise negative 
influence. That's all in 2 Corinthians 2. So I'm going to keep track here. You got that one correct. Good for you. It was a close call. (laughs) Yeah, that was a close one. All right, number two. Now we're in 1 Samuel. Okay. So did King David have a beard? Yes or no? Did we talk about that? I don't know. I don't remember. But did King David have a beard? I'm so conflicted right now. I remember the descriptions of David like as he was younger. I'm going to say no, but I feel like probably everyone in their culture at that day did have a beard, so I might get this one wrong. Yeah, I would have gone with your thought there. He did have a beard. Okay. <laughs> he did. So you should've, missed that one. Gone with that. Here's how we know. It's 1 Samuel 21, 13. So he pretended, this is David, he pretended to be insane Scratching on doors Uh, and drooling down his beard. I do remember that. Yeah. Little background there. The servants of Achish, who was the king of Gath, recognized David as he was fleeing from Saul. And David feared that if they think it's me, they'll capture me, they'll send me back to Saul, and Saul wanted to kill him. So David feigned insanity and they just like, okay, that dude's crazy. We'll stay away from him. And they sent him away. And back then, you were right, as well as today in many parts of the world, it is common practice for men of the Middle East to wear beards. Yeah. So, yes. Okay. I thought you'd get that one. I'm so, I should have. I have no excuse for that. <laughs> I think we tend to think of David as this young guy right. a lot, but yeah. not too often as a man. But okay, no worries. Number three. Galatians, book of Galatians. In chapter okay. 2, verse 12, chapter 2, 12, Paul chastised Peter for hypocrisy. What had Peter stopped doing because he was worried about the response of the Judaizers? And we did talk about this. What had okay. Peter stopped doing because he was worried about offending the, the Judaizers and the Jewish people in the church? A, he stopped being seen praying in public with Gentiles. B, he stopped eating with Gentiles. C, he stopped worshiping with Gentiles. What did Peter stop doing? Because he was worried about the response to the Judaizers. Stop being seen praying in public with Gentiles, eating with Gentiles, or worshiping with Gentiles. Let's go with eating with Gentiles. You got it right. Eating yes. with Gentiles. <laughs> I do one remember of the, uh, that one. One of the central practices in the early church was the communal meal. Resources were pooled. And as stated in Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Jewish tradition, however, and this is where Peter was coming from, drew very sharp distinctions between Jews and Gentiles and forbade intermingling with Gentiles altogether. And Peter, which is kind of surprising because Peter was that type A personality, rough tumble man's man Mm -hmm. type of guy. He succumbed to the pressure and he withdrew from the Christian Gentiles. And others followed him, including Barnabas. Barnabas responded in a very similar fashion. But Paul, of course, Paul never won to mince words, rebuked Peter for his hypocrisy. Okay, you got number three, right? Christian Table Theologian, how are you doing? Yeah, good job. Number four, 2 Samuel. What was the name of Jonathan's lame son? Could, had a son that couldn't walk. What was the name of Jonathan's lame son? Was his name A, Mephibosheth, B, Malon, or C, 
Manasseh, Mephibosheth, Malon, and Manasseh. I know it's not Manasseh because I know who he is. <laughs> so I think I will go with the first one that you said, but please don't try to make me say that. Phil- Philibineth. No, say it again. <laughs> I don't know what he said. <laughs> well, no, you, even though you can't pronounce it, you got it right. It's okay, good. Mephib- <laughs> yeah, Mephibosheth is his, was yeah. his name. And he's first mentioned in 2 Samuel 4. It's told to us that he is lame because he fell when he was five years old and he was fleeing from something with his nurse, some wild animal or something was after them. And later on, after Jonathan's death, his son Mephibosheth comes to King David and he's afraid that David's going to kill him. And so he goes to David, but David remembers his own promise to Jonathan and he invites Mephibosheth to live in his royal household, which was a pretty cool thing of David to do. Very cool. So, okay, very good. You got that one right. How did you know okay. it wasn't Manasseh? You said you knew it wasn't Manasseh. How did you know that? Well, I remember. Oh, this is embarrassing. No, we're not going to say. Wait, okay, we will say. Okay, never mind. <laughs> we won't say. I thought it was Methuselah. Wasn't he like one of the uh, oldest men who lived in the Bible? <laughs> That's yeah, what I'm, we, I'm telling you. Very little sleep. My brain is not fully yeah, functioning today. <laughs> we're, we're giving Tiffany all kinds of grace today, but you still were four out of five. So we're a third of the way, almost a third of the way. You're three out of four. Here's number five. Okay, that's ba- good. Back to Paul, back to Ephesians. Okay. Uh, what are Ephesians? According to Ephesians 1.13, what are believers sealed with? What are believers sealed with? A, the Holy Spirit of promise. B, do I hear... Bible pages being turned. This is not an open book. Now, you can look it up. More power to you. Yeah, you're looking for think, Ephesians 1.13. Yeah, uh, the Holy I, I Spirit. think I know well, this me, one, but keep going. Let, let me yeah. at least give the options, because not everybody has a Bible in front of them. And no. I, I should have said this was not going to be open book, but knock yourself out there. What are believers sealed with? Letter A, the Holy Spirit of promise. Letter B, the blood of the Lamb. Or letter C, the wonderful Wizard of Oz. <laughs> <laughs> You're really helping me out now. That is A, the promise of the Holy Spirit. And I thought I knew that verse. And I just needed to confirm because clearly I'm on the struggle bus today. So feel good about that one. Promise of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of promise. You're exactly right. That's perfect. It says in Ephesians 1.13, although I guess I could have you read it in him. <laughs> you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, Having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of the promise. So there you go. Kitchen table theologian, how are you doing? We're a third of the way through. We'll see if we can take this a little bit quicker. I'm watching our, yeah, we got to go a lot quicker, Diff. We're watching our time. All right. Number six, I'll shorten maybe some of my explanations. Number (laughs) six, we're in 1 Kings. At the opening of the book of 1 Kings, which king begins his rule? First Kings, as soon as the book begins, one of Israel's kings is reigning or begins his reign. Who is it? Is it A, Saul, B, David, or C, Solomon? Saul, David, or Solomon? Okay. Sorry, I know we're trying to hurry here. I feel like that book, I do remember this podcast, the book ended with King David dying, like it was his final days. And so most of that book was about the reign of King Solomon, but I don't know how to narrow that that down. (laughs) Oh, are you anywhere near an answer? 
I guess it depends on how you phrase the question. The book opens talking about King David, but it's him dying. That's, so it's really opening with Solomon's rule. Well, it's you a might want to go back. You might. Well, the answer is David. Okay. Samuel anointed Saul as the first king. His rules narrated in the book of First Samuel. After him, Ishbosheth, his son, ruled for a short while, and that's in Second Samuel. David, we meet him. The book of First Kings starts at the time of David's rule, so it's not okay. David's death. It starts not when you, somehow. You got the right answer. <laughs> so that somehow. that counts. So good. Number six. Number seven. Now we're in Philippians. Maybe and my answer was Paul- for Second Kings. Maybe Second Kings starts with his death. I don't have any of that in front of me. <laughs> Number seven. We're in Philippians. And what does Paul say, Christians? should stand firm. And what does Paul say Christians should stand firm? Should we stand firm, A, in the Savior, B, stand firm in the Lord, or C, stand firm in the shower? B. Stand firm in the Lord? That's right. You got it right. First, sorry, Philippians 4.1, Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, whom I long to see, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord. In this way, my beloved. And that just means that when times are tough, you don't give up. In fact, for the believer, the tough times are sometimes the best times to stand firm in the Lord. Very good. You're six mm-hmm. of seven, Tiff. Mm-hmm. You're doing good. All right. Number let's keep eight, moving. Second Kings. Now, you seem to know all about Second Kings, too. So <laughs> No, I do not. <laughs> okay. In Second Kings, we read about Jezebel. That's when we meet Jezebel. How are we told Jezebel died? How did she die? A, she was stoned by her own people. B, a flock of ravens attacked her. Or C, she was thrown out a window. How did Jezebel die? A, stoned by her own people. B, a flock of ravens attacked her. C, she was thrown out of a window. Let's go with, this is going to be a guess, so I might miss this one. Let's go with B, the ravens. You say the ravens got her. She was thrown out of a window. Oh, that was going to be my next guess. That's right. This is really something else in 2 Kings 9. When Jezebel, the queen mother, heard that Jehu, he was one of... I love Jehu because one thing we know about Jehu is that he was a very wild chariot driver, which I always found an (laughs) affinity to him in that. When she heard Jehu had come to Jezreel, she painted her eyelids, fixed her hair, and sat at a window. When Jehu entered the gate of the palace, she shouted at him, Have you come in peace, you murderer? You're just like Zimri, who murdered his master. Jehu looked up and saw her at the window and shouted, Who is on my side? And two or three eunuchs looked out at him. Throw her down, Jehu yelled. So they threw her out the window, and her blood spattered against the wall and on the horses. And Jehu trampled her body under his horse's hooves. Yeah, hope you weren't eating breakfast. Kitchen table theologian. Sorry about that. But yeah, that's how Jezebel was killed. She was thrown out of a window. Wow. Okay, okay. number nine. We're progressing on. We're in Colossians now. Okay. According to Paul in chapter one, what is God's secret that has now been revealed? According to Paul in chapter one, what is God's secret that has now been revealed? A, that there is no secret. Everything is open before us. B, both that the good news is for the Gentiles and also that Christ lives in you. So this kind of a two-pronged secret. Or C, 
that God forgives all sin. Oh, I'm trying to remember Colossians here. You're looking for verses 26 and 27. <laughs> I had not found that yet. There, you just said chapter one. I knew I could not try to find this, but I think we did talk about that a little bit on the podcast. We did. So I think it was the one that says the gospel is for all people, Jewish and Gentiles. So I think you're saying letter B, both that the good news is for the Gentiles and also that Christ lives in you. Is that what oh, you're saying? Yes, that, that was the cor- option I was th- going th- for. That's correct. You got it right. Awesome. This message Paul writes was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. So there's the first part of the secret. And this is the secret Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. So yeah, well done. You got that correct. Okay, number 10. Now we go back to First Chronicles. We've been through First and Second Kings. Now we're at First Chronicles. In First Chronicles, we read of King Saul's death. So you were saying that, I think you had that in Samuel, but that's in Chronicles. <laughs> Was Saul killed by his armor bearer? Yes or no? Was Saul killed by his armor bearer? And I'll give you some context. They were in a battle and Saul had been wounded. Did his armor bearer kill him? Yes or no? Yes. (laughs) Do I need to adjust my answer? No. (laughs) No, you said yes. and I did. Well, yeah, unfortunately, it's no. I'm Um, not doing well in the Old Testament today. Well, you're on no sleep, and you've only missed two or three, right? I think you're doing quite well. I think that was the third one. I wonder how the rest of us are doing. But after being wounded in battle... Here's what we read. Saul groaned to his armor bearer, take your sword and kill me before these pagan Philistines come to taunt and torture me. But his armor bearer was afraid and would not do it. So Saul took his own sword and fell on it. Oh, man. Okay. And Saul was king of Israel at that time. So he, the armor bearer should have killed him if he had followed through on Saul's oh, wishes, but he wouldn't do it. Okay, number 11 places us in 1 Thessalonians. Who does Paul say hindered them from going to Thessalonica sooner? He said, we were wanting to come to you, but we were hindered by, was it A, Peter, B, Satan, or C, the CIA? Did did they hinder Paul? Sorry, what was option A? C threw me off. (laughs) Peter, Satan, or the CIA? I mean, obviously, Satan was the one prohibiting them from coming. I do definitely remember we talked in detail about why he was so late in coming. So is that your answer? Be Satan? Yes. And I'm going to hope it's not related to the Peter conversation we were having earlier. (laughs) In chapter 2, verse 18, Paul says, We wanted very much to come to you, and I, Paul, tried again and again, but Satan prevented us. Very good. Another correct for Tiff. Good job. Thank you. Kitchen table theologian, how are you doing so far? We got uh, four more to go. Now we're back to Second Chronicles. According to chapter 5, what were the only things in the Ark of the Covenant? The Ark of the Covenant, a big portion of it is a, it's just a big, large box. What were the only two things in the Ark of the Covenant? A, two chairs. B, two tablets. Or C, Two pictures of Moses and his wife, Zipporah. 
<laughs> You're getting creative on your answers here. I was. I was uh, having fun doing this, yeah. Oh, this is so tricky. There's so many details about all of the building and the specifications of that. But I feel like initially... Okay, well, oh, I'm, uh, I gave you a hint when I said Moses. Yes. Well, that's where I was going. Moses received the Ten Commandments on the two tablets. And I knew that's when the Israelites were wandering through the desert. And so they created the Ark of the Covenant to carry those with them. So I'm going with two tablets. Two tablets is correct. Nothing was in the Ark then except for two stone tablets that Moses has placed in it at Mount Sinai, where the Lord made a covenant with the people of Israel when they left Egypt. And I've always, that always just kind of blows my mind because those 10 commandments were written by the hand or the finger of God himself. And And they they had them in the ark and they carried them around. What's interesting, we don't have time for it today, but if you read in Hebrews, Hebrews tells us of a number of other things in the ark. And sometimes people will say, well, see, there's the Bible's wrong. Because in Second Chronicles, we said there's, it's very clear there's only two tablets in there. And then in Hebrews, very clear there, and it starts to name some other things in there. Well, a long period of time had, had gone past and things were put in and things were taken out. So what looks like a discrepancy between Second Chronicles and Hebrews is not a discrepancy. Okay, number 13, three to go, Second Thessalonians. Okay. What does Paul say to do to those who don't obey our instruction? In this letter, what does Paul say to do to those who don't obey, quote, our instruction in this letter, end quote? A, overlook their flaws. B, make faces at them. Or C, don't associate with them. Overlook their flaws, make faces at them, don't associate with them. You say C? Yes. Don't associate? Paul writes, if anyone does not obey our instruction in this letter, take special note of that person. And do not associate with him so that he will be put to shame. Number 13 is correct. Well done. Two more. Kitchen table theologian, finish strong. Here we go. Now we're in Ezra. Ezra, the king of Persia Persia, in chapter 1 of Ezra. This is a hard one. I put this one in here. This is a hard one. I don't know that a lot of us would get this right. Who is king of Persia in chapter 1 of Ezra? A, Cyrus. Now, we talked about this king. A, Cyrus. B, Sennacherib. Or C, Asa. Cyrus, Sennacherib, or Asa. So, process of elimination. I can only remember two kings of Persia, and you said one of them. So, I'm going with King Cyrus. Uh, Who's the other one? Do you remember? Was it Xerxes? Was he I, king of you, Persia? You, I have to bow your, to your superior knowledge on oh, this. I can't no, remember. That was probably from like Sunday school when I was a kid or something. But I feel like there was a Xerxes or something related to that. But you said well, Cyrus, so I'm going King Cyrus. In Ezra 1.1, we read now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia. So very well done. I'm impressed at that one. thought that would be the hardest <laughs> question on the quiz. All right, here we are. We're finishing up. This is the last one. We end in 1 Timothy. Why does 1 Timothy say Christians are to engage in working hard? We talked a lot about mm-hmm. Paul calling out laziness and so forth and apathy. Why does 1 Timothy say Christians are to engage in working hard? Letter A. Uh, letter A? Yeah, well, A. Because Christians like working. If you're a Christian, you just love to work. B, because Christians hope in God. C, because Christians are required by God to work. So 
Why are Christians to engage in working hard? A, because Christians like working hard. B, because Christians hope in God. C, because Christians are required by God to work. B, I think is the best answer there. Because Christians hope in God. Okay, 1 Timothy 4.10, this is why we work hard and continue to struggle, for our hope is in the living God, who is the Savior of all people and particularly of all believers. So there you go. You got that one right, Tiff. That well one done. was fresh in my mind from just last week. Yeah, so I was going to say, that wasn't, that wasn't that long ago. No, and we did have a long conversation about that, so I, I was good on that one. Well, you were a teacher for many years, so if a student got 12 out of 15 on their quiz, what what grade is that? Oh, I was a math teacher, so I'm going to need my calculator. (laughs) Well, you got 12 out of 15, and I think that is really exceptionally good, because some of those were were not not easy and self-evident. I'm also not convinced we discussed all of those things on the podcast episodes. Well, that's for me to know and you to find out, I suppose. <laughs> yes, but no. Yeah. Well, thank you for that quiz there. All right. Well, Kitchen Table Theologian, I hope you did well. I hope you found that enjoyable, a little bit fun. And again, we'll throw this out there. And I think we gave a few of these away last time. If you got 15 out of 15, let us know. Pastor Jeff at lowcountrycc.org. Shoot us an email, and we would love to send you out a free Kitchen Table Theology mug if you already have one then we will send you something of equal value, which I can tell you is not much. (laughs) Maybe we can send some Southern pecan coffee. We'd be happy to do that too, sure. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much, Kitchen Table Theologian, for listening along today. If you enjoyed the podcast, take just a second and leave a rating or review for us, especially on iTunes. That really is what helps to get the word out. Dad mentioned it, but you can email us anytime at Pastor Jeff at lowcountrycc.org. We are collecting some questions right now for a Q&A episode in the next couple of months. So feel free to send that there. And as he said, if you got a perfect score on the quiz today, be sure to email us there, Pastor Jeff at lowcountrycc.org. As always, thanks are due to our friends at Low Country Community Church here in Bluffton, South Carolina, for making this podcast possible, as well as our friends at Streamline Podcasts. Next week, we'll be back, so we will see you then. Until then, always remember that the real power of theology is not only knowing it, but applying it. Thanks for joining us at the table. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast with Pastor Jeff Cranston. Join us next time for more insights into biblical truth. If you'd like to know more on today's topic, please check out our show notes. If you have a question from today's podcast, kindly email us at pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review? We deeply appreciate your help in getting the word out. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or in your favorite podcasting app to continue this journey with us as we learn about and apply God's word to our lives. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time here at Kitchen Table Theology.